0: Well, g'day, g'day, g'day. Welcome to episode four, the Play On Podcast with your host, Charlie Palmer. On this week's episode, we are jam-packed, baby. we got a, a think piece on tennis and Australian sporting identity. We've got an in-depth look at the shithouse Brisbane Broncos. We've got whinge of the week and women's toilets. We've got some sports news and just some other whack shit. So tune in and get ready for my mad intro. Charlie, it's me again, from the future. Just wanted to say, man, that you should probably eat a salad or two from time to time. Wouldn't hurt, you know? Go for a walk, do some exercise. Also, put everything you have on the Babados to win the 2021 Premiership. Trust me, it's money for jam. Anyway, we better get into the show. See you, man. Yep, that's right. We're doing it again, Episode 4. And before I get into the nitty-gritty stuff of it, I just want to give a huge shout-out to everybody who's liked my staff, joined the Facebook group, following me on Instagram, commenting on my photos, or even gone the Big Lift and shared my pictures and tried to show all their mates and, and all that kind of stuff. If you've gone to the uh, Apple Music podcast thing, um left a review, giving me five stars. There's a few of you have done that. It makes a huge difference, all that stuff. And I'm hoping to expand my listener base and give it a good crack. And if you guys keep liking what I'm putting out, I'm gonna keep putting it out. So you guys obviously like Smack Talk, because that's all I've been doing. So and I'm really, 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 really enjoying it. Speaking of smack talk, I wanna get straight into it. So what I'm gonna do is we're gonna go into random sports news. Let's go. It's time for the weekend sport. You're going to have to listen to my sports report. Let's have a look at all the sports news this week. Well, not all of it, just the ones that I could be bothered researching and that I'm kind of interested in. So let's hope that you're interested in them as well. How's our Roger tuivasa moving to Rugby Union? Sad news for Rugby League fans. But good news for rugby union fans because that bloke can move. He is going to cut people up. And I think I shared a little schoolboy video of him playing for the Auckland Blues under 20s or, w- or whatever it was. And he was just cutting people up like he does every week for the Warriors. And everyone's complaining, saying, well, Why would you leave? Why would you do that? Good on him. He's always wanted to play for the All Blacks. He's a Kiwi. And he's done everything he can. He's won a Dally M. He's won a premiership with the Roosters. He's represented New Zealand. He's, he's, he's done it all, except for win a premiership with the Warriors. And let's just face facts, that's not happening. And then last year and this year, he's expected to live in bloody Tamworth. And I just don't know what Roger's like with country music, but I'm just going to take a wild stab in the dark. I bet he's not really into it. But maybe he is. And if he is, good on him. But far out, oh, good on him! Playing, playing for. I think he's going to move to Auckland and play for the Blues, and then hopefully get a run for the All Blacks. As I am sure he will. Tough to get in there, but it's pretty much the best sporting franchise in the world. Uh, why wouldn't he? And it's going to give me nightmares when the uh, Wallabies play him. No doubt. So good on you, Rog. I reckon fair bloody play here. What else have I got here? We're going to uh, speaking of goat Kiwi international superstars with a gun step and has the ball on a string. Mr. Benji Marshall has moved to the Cardinal and Myrtle over to the the pride of rugby league, South Sydney Rabbitohs. And why wouldn't we take him at that price? Cheap as chips, mate. Cheap as chips. We got him on the New Zealand dollar, and the other clubs weren't going to ta- no, didn't want to take him. The Cowboys offered him three hundred and thirty grand or something like that. Didn't want it. His missus is pregnant, so and she wants to stay in Sydney, and that's fair enough. I think some. Shitty Super League club in England wanted him. 600K, didn't want it. He's not a money man. He just wants ring on finger. And where do you go for rings on fingers? You get a South Sydney, baby, because it's our year. And he's happy to play reserve gate. He's happy to fill in. And what the experience he's going to just give some of the younger blokes coming through. And I saw him in the training kit, look schmick, hat backwards, throwing cutouts. How good. How good? How good? So Benji to South, happy as, happy as. Um, Boyd Cordner looks like he's going to miss the first at least 12 weeks of the season with the concussion issues that he's got. I reckon that's pretty acceptable. The boat gets knocked out every second game and you've got to start worrying about people's health. At the end of the day, it is just a game of footy. I feel bad for him though because he's a really good player and he's the captain of the Roosters, captain of New South Wales and captain of Australia. So It's a big one for him. Uh, I bet he's really gutted. Good luck to you, Boyd. Hopefully it's not too bad, mate. Uh, Mike Tyson. Looks like he's going to fight Evander Holyfield for the third time. These folks are too old. Sorry, give it up. I don't really care. That last Tyson fight was crazy. It was weird, all those weird rules and shit. It wasn't entertaining. There's a new breed coming through. Let's watch the talent now. Let's get around the talent now. I'm, I'm over these. I like Tyson and that, but I'm over these old people and then some rich promoter charging you 70 bucks to watch some bullshit. You could just go down to the Leagues Club on Melbourne Cup Day and watch two old blokes just bash each other to death in the pokey room. And for me, that's more entertaining. Actual boxing though. I must piss people, must piss boxers off now. These young fellas coming through and stuff, trying their heart out, doing awesome. And then you've got these Jake Paul, the YouTube dudes fighting whatever other fuck with. And they all just these actual athletes there training day in, day out. And they're you know, and it's fighting for an Australian title or something like that, and they're having to fight at down at the RSL or the CWA Hall. There's no there's nothing in it. But then some fucking idiot on YouTube is getting billion to fight some idiot I've never heard of, and everyone's into it. Well, I don't care, and you're not going to get coverage of that shit on this podcast, baby. We're going to cover real athletes. Speaking of real athletes, Tim Zhu is going to fight Dennis Hogan in March 31st, uh, the venue to be announced. I think Tim wants to keep busy on home soil, uh, obviously with the world Turn into shit with the COVID and stuff like that. I think it's a bit of a nightmare with the fighting business at the moment. The UFC seems to have a pretty good thing going on, but I don't think boxing is quite as organized. Um, so he's going to fight Dennis Hogan, who's uh, Irish national but lives in Brisbane, and he is no slouch. This bloke, he's um, just fought for a world title a couple of years ago. He's a really good boxer, really aggressive. Um, I think a great fight. I'm looking forward to this one. I'm just like, i I'd honestly a big fan of Tim. Like watching him fight, I like the way he carries himself, and he just smoked that Kiwi bloke last time, didn't he? So hopefully he gets some rounds in uh, with Dennis. But from what I can tell, I don't know as, as much about Dennis as I do about Tim. But he looks he looks the goods. Um, he's got a 28 wins, three losses, one draw. He's 35 or something, so he's had a bit of a career. He knows obviously knows what he's doing, and he just looks like a crazy Irishman. So red head, red beard kind of set up. So. Always got to watch those looking fellas, in my opinion. My old man taught me that. Um, moving on, we've got another big big Aussie bout. We've got a friend of the show, uh, Lucas Big Daddy Brown, uh, former heavyweight champion of the world, is going to fight. They've come to an agreement. Paul Gallen uh, of, of Cronulla Sharks fame. So Gal, I've got to give, give it to Gal. It just doesn't take a backward step. Everyone always writes him off. And he just keeps going forward and taking these fights, and he keeps winning. Um, he's obviously got a he's obviously a pretty tough bloke. He took some shots off Big Mark Hunt, who didn't look like he was in the best of shape, to be honest. But I think this is a whole another step up here. Uh, Lucas Big Daddy Brown is a mammoth of a man. He's like six foot five or six, one hundred and thirty kilos, tats everywhere, face tats. I don't know if that makes you a better boxer. It makes you scarier, for sure. Um, and he's a monster. Obviously, former heavyweight champion of the world. He, he beat some Russian bloke, Ruslan Chagiev in 2016, stopped him. Uh, he's got a pretty good fight record, 29 fights, 25 KOs, and uh, 20, 29 wins, 25 KOs, and two losses. Uh, it's going to be a tough one. I mean, I I don't really like writing off because he's obviously an athlete. He's fit as hell. He's tough as hell. So what a fight, definitely going to be tuning in for this one, um, but there's been a lot of shit talk about this, I, I think Gal called Lucas Big Daddy Brown a mug, but he's like, a, you can't really, he's won a world title, in the heavyweight world title, so he's no mug. So tuning in, I actually sent um, Lucas Big Daddy Brown a message and he got back to me, so what a legend, so um, huge shout out to you, mate, good luck, good luck to everybody, just hope no one dies because you're, you're all big lads, so mad stuff. Uh, there's probably heaps of other sports news. That's the kind of stuff I picked up on. I've got a bit of an expose, a thought, a think piece on tennis coming up next. Um, and then I'm going to get some uh, team of the week stuff with the Broncos. All happening. Winge of the week. Tune in, guys. A lot happening here. Wiki, winge of the week. Wiki, 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 winge of the week. Wiki, wiki. Wiki, wiki, whinge of the week. Wiki, 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 Winge of the week. Ruben Wiki. My favourite time of the week. I get to vent. Vent my issues. Vent my whinges. Tell everybody out there. I I really I really have a lot of these. What I've noticed as I have been... Look, episode four now. I'm trying to always jot down notes and things. Oh, I should talk about that during the week. I should talk about that on the podcast. Is that my, my fucking whinge of the week pile is... Growing at a rapid rate, and my other stuff we're talking about isn't really. It's just kind of slowly ticking away. Well, I might have to start doing wind of the wind of the day, daily updates. Maybe I just whinge a lot. Maybe it's my English heritage. I can't really blame it on that. Maybe I'm just a fucking negative dude. I don't know. But here it is. This one first one isn't really a wind of the week. It's just about boxes in general. Now I know a fair few boxes. Lovely people. Definitely don't want to say anything wrong about them or else they punch in the face, I guess. And they're good at it because that's what they do for a living. But how come every single photo you've ever taken in your whole life, you've got to clench your fist and hold up like that? Like, like your, what are you, you going to do that for? I get it at the, when you've got the belt around you or like with your team after the fight or before the fight or like the promo one for the fight thing itself. I totally understand that. That makes sense. Fist, boxing, punch, fist, knuckle, head, thing. Okay, I get it. Makes perfect sense to me. But like, Nan's 90th, you know what I mean? Your cousin's wedding. Like, (laughs) put the fist down, boys. It's all right. It's not, you're not always, it's not always a title fight. Life isn't really always a title fight. Sometimes it is. That's a good metaphor, isn't it? Life's a title fight. You know, I'm training for it. (laughs) Just not every photo. Like license photos, are you doing it? Do you know what I mean? Someone whips a camera out. It's like get get them ready, boys. Get them. Here comes the fucking hand. With all respect, and I love what you do, and I would never do it for a living. Couldn't fight my way out of a wet paper bag. But just not every single photo, guys. Okay. We we all get it. You're a boxer. We can tell. We can tell by your face that you're a boxer. Okay. We don't need you. I'm genuinely asking, is it a thing? Like, did it start somewhere? Like, I know with the shuckers, you know, the surfing shuckers that and that they do that, is that that originally started with some Hawaiian fella who's, like, the oldest surfer ever or whatever, the first guy to do it. He got his, like, three middle fingers bitten off by a shark or something. And when he'd wave at ya, he'd, like, do the old pinky thumb thing. I don't know if his name was Mick Shaka or like you know or something like that, but that's how the Shaka's came about. Is the fist thing with the boxer a similar thing? Did the first guy ever want to fight do it afterwards with his mum or something? And now it's like now it's tradition. And if that is tradition, please write in. There's heaps of people following me on my Instagram that probably listening that are boxers or or boxing pages and stuff. Write write in. Tell me. Say Charlie, you're an idiot. This is the, this is traditional stuff. Yeah, this is like been passed down through generations of boxes to, to raise the fist at every photo opportunity possibly in the whole world, maybe it's bad luck. Maybe if you don't raise your fist and clench it in every single photo opportunity, you're going to lose your next fight. And if that's the case, then I totally understand. So if somebody could write in, clarify that, help me out. It's easy to be judgmental when you don't know what you're talking about. and no, I clearly don't know what I'm talking about, but it seems to be that a lot of f- boxers are taking every photo with the old clenched fish routine. You know, I've got a boxer, mate, that was at the beach the other day. Looked like someone killed his dog. You know who you are. Shout out to you. Love you, mate. Just show some teeth. Turn, turn, turn the lips upwards at the end. It's a hard job. Someone's got to do it. Much love to all you guys out there doing the hard yards, getting punched in the face for air entertainment. I really appreciate it. Look, moving on to the actual winch of the week. And this one's all my fault. I just want to to make that very clear at the start of this that I've really got no one else to blame but myself, but I'm going to try and manipulate and weave duck and throw a few jabs back at, at some things, and try and make it sound like it's somebody else's fault, because that's what I do best. Public toilets in in like you know in establishments, bars, cafes, all that kind of thing. I've got a bit of an issue with you, if any of you public toilets are listening. I've, look, all right. I'm just gonna. I'll be. I'll be straight up. About three times in the last six months, I've walked into the female's toilets accidentally. Like, not just following a hottie in there kind of thing. Looking to do the horizontal folk dance or anything like that. So, there's just get your mind out of the gutter, people. I've just walked into the wrong toilet and gone, geez, this is a nice toilet. Because chick's toilets are nicer than the guy's ones. And that's across the board. Okay. I don't know if they make them nicer at the start. Or if us fellas just treat them badly and make it chitter at the end. I'm guessing the latter. But I walked into one especially and I was like, holy shit, I feel like I'm in like Roman baths here, you know. (laughs) I'm surprised there wasn't someone in there just handing out a warm towel saying if you want a massage. I've been to a few places like that in Thailand. But a different kind of vibe here nonetheless. Oh, look. The reasons, it's, I want to talk about the reason I've walked into these uh, females' bathrooms. And one was at a, two were at bars, and one was at a cafe. Can't deal, And I just don't think the markings on the doors were adequate. And, and were gender, uh, like, identifying enough or, or whatever, diverse. It's sleek markings of these. Like, just put a bloody bloke on one door and a shearer on the other door, so everyone knows. Make one blue and pink, okay? I know, I understand that not everyone identifies as pink, but just just for the sake of having the bloke doesn't walk into the chick's dunny, just for that reason only. I know it's woke 2021, hashtag everything, whatever, but just make it so we know which toilet is which, okay? And if you're like, identify as something, something in between or whatever, at least then you know as well and you can pick the one that you want. But for the unassuming dickhead like me, I just the the sleek little like you could you could dish out the rest of the bar can be as sleek and as modern as awesome as you want and pay pay top dollar for and you kid out your bar or whatever cafe however the fuck you want to do it but just on the door of the toilet that one that the female or male symbol can we just make that really obvious because although I know I'm a fucking idiot. Come on, this, these, in all three occasions, I went out and had a look, and I was like, "That is very, very, very similar here." Like there is a slight angle of what I would imagine would be the dress of of the female was just uh, like hypotenuse, just, just, just had something to do with it, kind of thing. And it was t- it was oh, it was minuscule angle sleek looking like metallic sh- shiny chrome bloody Looked great oh, great accessory for the door like good looked like a bit of art or something you'd see it goma, but it didn't help me any when I walked in and started pissing in the fucking sink, thinking it was the urinal. The lady freaked out. you know what I mean I don't want to have to solve the da Vinci code just to do a piss. I definitely don't want to be going into the female bloody toilet. I don't know what happens in there. I want to leave that a mystery. They go in there in packs. Shit goes on in there. I don't want to know. I'm not allowed in there, and I'm happy to leave it that way. The last thing I want is to go in there. It's not like I'm some kind of pervert just trying to, you know, creep in there and get look up your knickers or something like that. It's definitely not happening. I I want to stay the fuck out of there. i am actually, to be honest, usually if I'm going to the toilet, I'm busting for a piss or a number two. But on all these three occasions, I do remember that it was a piss, And I have a tendency to hold my pisses to the point where I'm about to just absolutely piss myself. So I don't need to waste time going into foreign territory behind enemy lines into the nicest bloody, felt like a resort. No wonder they go in there so much. I mean, they just go in there and hang out. It's nicer than the actual bar. Gold trimmings. Big sinks, lovely mirrors, smelt blissful. It's just unbelievable. I, 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 let's just, it should be a rule. It should be written into the constitution. It should be just be like, okay, you oh you opening a cafe. That's great. That's great. And Mick, Mick's cafe. Well done. I just want to let you know, rule number one, um, you are got to have clearly identified doors on the toilets just so dickheads don't go into the wrong toilet because it's pretty common. Is it common? Has anyone else done this? Is it just me? I do know at one of those occasions, I had at least 10 schooners in me. I always had a few John Deers that day. So especially if you're selling alcohol in your establishment, you got a bloke just walking around tanked, about to piss himself because he waited for the results on the dividend on Wentworth Park before he decided to go down, go for a piss. You want him going into the right one. You definitely don't want that bloke pissing in the urinal, which is a sink, some lady's toilet. Wind of the week. You can expect plenty of more great content like this. Hey, just hit me up on play underscore on underscore podcast or on the Facebook page or just hit me up in general and just just tell me that I'm not the only one out there that's done this. If I am the only one out there, that's fine. I probably am. Wind of the week, baby. Team of the week, it's the team of the week, it's the NRL, NRL team of the week. Yeah, that's right, team of the week. And geographically, last week we did North Queensland Cowboys, this week we're doing the Brisbane Broncos, makes sense, we're heading our way down south, so they were, Broncos would be second from the top, geographically. But at the moment, currently, they are cellar dwellers. Geez, they got the spoon and it made me happy. It made me happy. I'm not going to lie. I'm not the biggest Brisbane Broncos fan, never have been. I'm a South Sydney through and through supporter and a New South Wales fan and I grew up in Brisbane. Um, So you can imagine what that was like for me. Horrible, horrible. I'm not a big Brisbane Broncos fan, but... For the sake of the podcast and the listener, I'm going to be as fair as I possibly can on your sacred team. I'm going to start off by saying that for a city of 2.28 million people with one football team, Wooden Spoon's not good enough, but you all know that. You all know that. It should be doing a lot better than that. And I think they might do one or two spots better than that this year. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. The forward pack is gun. Payne Haas, you got... Alex a bit of experience there. Tavita Pengai Jr., who loves to, he's a great runner of the ball, misses a few tackles, so it kind of goes missing. But he's pretty young. I think that a bit of maturity and and stuff he'll he'll probably get a bit better. They do have that one fellow, it's his, Pat Carrigan. He trucks some nut that bloke. He's fearless. I like him. So your forward pack, I reckon, Brisbane looking good. Looking the good Terps and, and also Andrew McCulloch. They'll be uh, fighting it out for the nine jersey. Probably McCulloch will be in the 14. A lot of experience he can give to young Jack Turpin. They, they got a great forward pack, I think. And I think it's their spine that's going to struggle. Anthony Milford, look, he's getting paid a million milli a season. I've, I've heard rumours. I actually haven't fact-checked that, seen the contract myself. Um, I don't have too many birds around Red Hill. Used to have a few around Milton, okay? but I honestly think that Milfs probably hasn't performed to the level that he should be performing at for such a big club. That's me saying it very nicely. I think he really needs to step up um, and because he's got a young house pairing with Tommy Dearden who showed a bit of promise, but also it's hard when your experienced partner next door to you is, is just consistently letting the team down but saying that they brought their forwards didn't really do the job for him last year so the platform wasn't there for him to do his little sprinkly bits on top as backs do uh, the number one jersey uh, Darius Boyd's now left that jersey vacant um, and he could probably fill that jersey with you know a meat pie and it'll probably tackle better than Darius Boyd did last year he really fell off fell off the wagon as far as I'm concerned so I'm not sure who they're going to put in there. Uh, Kevy, the new incoming coach, has indicated that they might put Jermaine Asako in there. I would personally put Tessie Niu in there. He's a, he's a young gun that got injured last year and didn't get a run at it. Uh, from all reports, uh, he is he's a bit of a weapon. Um, so we'll see what they do there, but they, they really need to sort that out. I think they've still got uh, Katoni Staggs with an ACL injury till about around 13 or 14 Um Xavier Coates is on the wing. They've got, they got a pretty good team. Look, but I think it's they, they're lacking a bit of X factor, especially with Katoni out, and I can foresee Brisbane this year having a bottom eight type year again. Um, the coaching staff's almost better than the team. They've got Kevy Alters, I think his brother Steve's come in, um, Cartwright, John Cartwright, uh, Terry Madison, Petro Sivaneseva, and... Who else? The second, oh, their, their second halfback, Alfie Langer's is always out there running around in the blue shirt, barking orders and stuff. Maybe he should just have another go at it, Alfie. Maybe that's what the team needs. What Brisbane's lacking is that they're just not the, – the the Brisbane powerhouse I, I know growing up that I hated so much in the 90s and stuff and early 2000s, they were good for one, but you it it just didn't want to go and play Brisbane at home and they didn't want to – they were just so good and they just had that chemistry. They're almost like Melbourne are at the moment, just feared, you know, and half, half the time that'll win you the game. You've lost before you go to bloody Lang Park. At last year was just a joke. Maybe the fans, not having the fans there and stuff, suffered a little bit, but I reckon Kevin might install a little bit of that back into them. Um, we'll see. I think they're going to need a few years, though, to get that going. I'm calling 15th, 14th at best. Let's hope anyway. Good luck to you, Brisbane. Good luck. Look, I was going to do a crazy intro like I usually do, and I love doing, but it's getting late. i got a full-time job. You know, i got a spoodle. i got to feed. I just can't be doing these crazy intros in the middle of the night. I'm going to work on my intro game because I know you guys are all in this for my musical talents. I was going to like just do some singing for you or something, but I thought leading into this one, I'd just have a bit more of a calm demeanour because this is a, it's, a, it's a think piece on Australian tennis and our national identity. Enjoy. Now, it wouldn't be an Australian summer without sporting heroes, the Shane Warnes, the Ricky Pontings, the Pat Rafters, the Mick Fannings, and the strange and unlikely idols like the Awesome Foursome. Or Stephen Bradbury's. These are just but a few of the legends that I talk of. I'm looking around the current sporting landscape for a summertime hero. Someone to make me feel safe in my blanket of Australian sporting domination that I for so long have been comfortable. Someone to hold my hand as I stumble into a bar full of Kiwi rugby fans in the middle of Barcelona. Someone to grasp desperately when a bunch of Indian cricket fans are planting seeds of doubt inside my once thick, leathery skin. After not getting a glimpse of the Bledisloe Cup for a couple of decades, International Rugby League wins holding no real value, field hockey, netball and golf being absolute dog shit, and our beloved cricket team getting caught cheating. And therefore, since slowly losing its stranglehold on international Test cricket. This said stranglehold is what usually helps me sleep through the hot, humid Queensland nights. As you may hear, the magpies in the background. I'm an Australian living in Australia, and I want to be proud of my country in summertime. I've had no choice but to look elsewhere for the noble warriors looking to carry the Australian summer on their shoulders with pride. A new breed of athlete, a fresh-faced and equipped with the sun-kissed rigs and the go-down swinging attitude we need. Being late January and suffering from severe anxiety over this issue, I look to the sporting calendar. And what do I see, you ask? Tennis. The first Grand Slam of the year. The Australian Open. For a moment, I feel safe, but the moment quickly passes and feels like a distant memory when I remember that, like a lot of other sports at the moment, we are also absolutely shithouse at tennis. In fact, we have been for a very long time. When I think Leighton Hewitt, I think, sure, he's a US Open champion. I admire and respect him. He's a childhood hero, a Rabideaus fan, curly blonde locks of hair. He's got hunger, hat backwards, and hair. The Triple H you need to be a champion. But he still never won the Australian Open. In fact, no Australian male or female has won the Australian Open singles title since the late 70s. That's right, the late 70s. This is the same late 70s that Staying Alive by the Bee Gees was in the charts. And MASH was being released on the silver screen. Watched an episode of MASH lately. That's how long ago it was since an Australian won the Australian Open. They had wooden rackets back then, for fuck's sake. Leighton choked in a final to Murat Safin. Pat Cash lost two finals in a row. And it's even worse for the women. Some would say we should give up as a nation. Sulk into a pile of misery into our new normal beater sporting identity, just like England. And I say we celebrate new warriors of the hard court and turn the page and propel these new athletes into prosperity. I say we have them wear the Australian gold and we sing waltzing Matilda, Kaysan, Horses, and other great Australian songs in between serves to try and put the Euro Trash tennis elite off their game. Let's have a look at what's on the menu for the future heroes of the Australian tennis summer. For the entree, we've got Ashley Barty, ranked number one in the world, and 24 years old. She's a bite-sized Queenslander with a never-say-die attitude. She's an all-court player with a great first-serve percentage for a height-challenged athlete. She can and has beat the world's best. She's working class, heart of gold, And the blue collar hero we need. What's not to like? I love Ash's atmosphere and so does the nation. But no pressure chick, we need this W from you. It's time. The number one means dick all unless you win a grand slam in your own country, in my opinion. Pros and cons you ask? Well, she's an absolute gun. She's a professional cricketer as well. She's great atmosphere and she has barty parties. And we all love a party. The cons? Well, she supports Richmond. And she's from Ipswich. So hold on to your handbag. At eight dollars for winning the big dance, jump all over it, I say. Gamble responsibly. For the main meal, we've got the king. Nick Kyrgios. The six foot four sample of untapped talent from the ACT is one of the best tennis players I've ever seen. His raw skills, natural ability, complemented by his ability to not give a fuck, is rare as hen's teeth. You just feel with a bit of maturity and some decent coaching, I'm available if you need, he can be the best in the world. A few more gold chains maybe, maybe a moustache couldn't hurt either. Shave your head, do something, let's step it up. At $21 to get the chockies. You might as well spend that already, because the king's going deep. What are the pros, you ask? Well, he's the king. He actually doesn't seem to give a fuck about anything. He's got a mad car and a hot miso, and he hates Novak Djokovic. As we all do. Cons? Well, he lacks consistency. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. He's from Canberra, and Canberra sucks. He's also having trouble getting a decent haircut. But maybe that's because he lives in Canberra. More to come. On to the dessert. And in this case, it's a sweet Mediterranean treat called Athanasios Thanasi Coconacus. Coconacus by name, Coconacus by nature. This absolute schnack from our vanilla skied southern state is no doubt a spicy specimen Standing at an arousing six foot five inches. This twenty-four year old is mentored by the OG Triple H Leighton Hewitt himself. And has the high, and has had a highest world ranking of number sixty nine. No joke, ladies. Number sixty nine. A kawinky dink? I doubt it. Put a nappy on girls. This Greek demigod is the future of Australian tennis. And only straight men are complaining about it. If he's hungry, if he keeps his hair at a nice full length and he dons that Nike cap backwards, which he often does, I believe we have the making of a champion, my friends. Another Triple H champion. What are the pros, you ask? Well, he puts the wild and wild card As once stated before, he's a Greek demigod who's probably the tallest bloke in the room laying down as well. His mum's probably a great cook who never lets you leave the house without a Tupperware container filled to the brim with amazing Greek treats. He also has a ranking of 264 in the world, so really he can only improve from here. Cons? Well, he's constantly distracted from the amount of poontang getting thrown at him. He's from Adelaide, and South Australia has heaps of serial killers, and that's kind of scary. There's, of course, other Aussies in the mix, like Alex Demon Demonor, despite his ranking and ability. I just can't get around. Not sure why. Maybe it's a vibe. Marbo. The Constitution. I'm I'm so unsure that I'm just going to blame it on the nickname and the lack of creativity around it. There's also John... Yawn Millman, or Bernard, hot OnlyFans misses who can't wash her hair, Tomic. I just don't think on my quest for a hero, I'm knocking down the door of these guys' houses, expecting to see an athlete with a big frame, confident vibe, racket in hand and cape on back. I'm aware that not all heroes wear capes. We don't need ours to wear a cape. We need ours to wear the hearts, minds and future of Australian sports on their backs and carry us gently, yet with a firm grip, into a new era of domination. A Think Piece by Charlie Palmer. Gamble responsibly. Multident of the Week. That's right. You guessed it. It's multi bet of the week. The other multi's still going. We need Tom Brady's Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl next week, and we in the money. We had a couple. Of, we had a good horse come through. We had the Brisbane Heat win. Some good tips coming through from the boys. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. One of the best punting podcasts that the world's ever seen. So tune in. This is this week's stuff. One of the one of the uh, friends of the podcast with dreadlocks, a dreadlock friend, Hobsey. Wales versus Ireland in the Six Nations rugby. Hot tip off the press: Wales to win. Dollar seventy. Get on that bad boy. Multi it into an anonymous tip coming from the other side of the planet with Wolverhampton Wolves to draw against the Lester, against Leicester, the Leicester Leicesters, whatever they're called. $3.30, that's juicy. So someone, I've got birds, I've got birds everywhere. And then I thought, while I'm on the EPL, you might as well throw in Liverpool to beat Man City and upset at $2.87. Always a cracker when those two go at it. And Man City suck, let's be honest. No one really likes to see them win because they're owned by some bloke that don't know, sells oil to some bloke or something. Anyway, I don't want to get into the details All all of it. I'm going to use this to... Um, Get out of this uh, podcast, guys. Episode four is wrapping up. It's been awesome. It's getting late. Thanks again to everybody who shared or liked, commented or reached out. Um, if you want to share some more or give me some reviews or do all that kind of stuff, it matters heaps. It helps me heaps. Um, if So, like, get stuck into that stuff. If you don't like the podcast, you can still share it and pretend that you do or show someone who you think might like it. It's up to you. If you do that, I'll buy you a beer next time I see you down the pub or a rosé or whatever you're drinking. That bitch diesel. All right, guys. Thanks heaps. See you next week. Bye-bye.